So it's very nice to be back here. I, was, I think I was here about a year ago, and uh, at that time we were we were we had two months of a trial period in San Francisco in the house that we're now living in, uh, in Sunset, just about five minutes walk from the ocean. <laughs> and now uh, myself and two other nuns and one novice are living in this house. It's it's rented by the Saranaloka Foundation, of which Jill Boone here is one of the key members. She's the president, actually, of the foundation. And it's rented until towards the end of the year. And meanwhile, we're um, kind of settling in and getting to know people and uh, sharing teachings where we can. And we also have a, a regular... Um, we have chanting, meditation, most evenings in the Vihara itself, in the house. And on Saturdays we have a meditation workshop every afternoon. Friday evenings we offer um, chanting and a Dharma talk and uh, an opportunity to take the five precepts formally each Friday. And on the moon days, depending where that falls in the week, we also have a, a reading and we meditate through till midnight. So we welcome anyone who's up for joining us for that. And people can come for some of it or all of it. Um, so we have things happening at the Vihara, and also we uh, we're also very happy to receive alms. Actually, we we live on on alms. We don't actually have money of our own, and uh, so th- people come and when we're lucky, people come and offer us meals in the morning. We eat only in the morning, and uh, also people sometimes offer groceries that can be cooked and so on. So we, we basically, our tradition is one of mendicancy. So we are not allowed to, to hold or use money in any way. So I haven't used money for, well, since 1995, 15 years. And I can say it's, it's wonderful. This is indeed the freedom of, li- of limitation. <laughs> it's great. So, so we're kind of here, you know, it's a bit of a leap of faith. And it, is, it does also feel that we're being very warmly received. So it's, uh, for us, quite a, a wonderful experience. And still it is a step into the unknown. We don't know, you know what will happen, whether, whether we'll find land or whether you know, there'll be the, the means to purchase it. Or, you know, we, don't know, we, we don't know. We take it a day at a time. And that is very much the spirit of, of the, the Samana life, the, the, like the renunciant life, to... You know, to open to this, you know, to see, okay, today this is happening, today this comes. And, so, you know, sometimes it's abundant and sometimes it's little. And that's perfect. It's, it's meeting life moment by moment. This is, very, this is completely what the Buddha was pointing to, pointing all of us to. Um, and I just would like to also say that I, I put out some, some of these flyers and they're for a, a retreat that will be held from April the 29th until May 2nd in um, Hidden Villa, which was the first um, hostel, I think, the first youth hostel to be built in America, to be established in America. And there are still vacancies for, for people who'd like to attend this retreat and it will be run, it will be taught by... Ajahn Santachita, who lives at our Vihara, and Ajahn Tita Maida, who's also part of our community. She's a Russian nun who's, who will spend three months with us 
later this, well, coming up actually later this month. So if anyone would like to pick up one of these and, and uh, have a retreat at the end of the month, you're very welcome. So, I, uh, we were given, I was given quite a, a, a wide um, scope as to what to talk about, and I, I really wanted to speak about um, the five precepts as a source of happiness. Because I know that uh, sometimes people think of, of um, precepts or, you know, uh, these kind of limitations and guidelines as, you know, well, I like Buddhism, but I don't really want to keep the precepts. You know, I don't want to have to give up drinking or, uh, you know, I don't really want to have to give up the, the, the little pleasures I have around the edges. And... You know, myself, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a nun, so I have to give up, uh, I don't have to, I've chosen to give up you know, quite a lot of extra pleasures that, uh, that I could have enjoyed in my youth. And, you know, I can say very honestly that I experience a lot of joy through that. And uh, when, you, when you hear my, um, my little bio, you know, you might get the idea that I was kind of born on a lotus leaf and, you know, <laughs> was... Uh, Always pure and you know, never, never strayed from the Buddha's teachings from the from the moment I was born. But actually, my <laughs> my life was was far from that. And uh, I, the reason I first came across the teachings was because I, I had got myself into a position into a place of of uh, great depression, very deep depression. And that had come come about through a combination of things, partly my environment and partly unskillful living already by 14. So, and I think that's true for a, for a lot of people, for a lot of, of young people. There's as they, you know, we, we, we live in a world where the values are confused. You know, we, we're taught to, you know, if we have more, then we'll be happy. If we make ourselves a better person, you know, have a, a, another PhD or, you know, a better car or a nicer clothes, then we'll be a happy person. And the spiritual values are, to a huge degree, neglected by society. So this <laughs> results in a, in a lot of confusion and unhappiness. And certainly for myself, that's what I experienced um, there was a sense of, you know, what is the point? What is the point to all this? Because it was clear that at some point, you know, whatever I do and however much fun I can fit in, you know, it it doesn't bring me happiness. I had a, a little message from a, an old school friend the other day who, who's, who has teenage children. She said, oh, my, my 16-year-old daughter has just experienced her first hangover. <laughs> And I thought, well, she can learn from this one, or she can just keep on doing it until she learns. <laughs> you know, and um, you know, this is this is what we do. We look we look for happiness in in temporary pleasures, and for many people, that can get us into quite a mess. So we have the the AA group next door, you know. So. Everyone there, it's, it's, a, it's a journey, you know, everyone there has gone down the road of excess and addiction and uh, being caught. And 
fortunately, these people have found a means to, to pull themselves out of that pit. And there can be a great sense of you know, joy and sangha, actually, community through that, helping each other along. But there is uh, the potential to kind of bypass the whole complication. And the Buddha gave us these five precepts as basically as a, as a, as a, as a means for happiness, as a means for you know, avoiding the complications that come through following our desires without awareness and restraint. So in case anyone's not familiar with the five precepts, the, the, I think actually I would like to hand these out so you can actually read them while I'm speaking. Would you mind? Thank you. So the, the first precept is a precept of harmlessness, where we say, I undertake the precept to refrain from intentionally harming any living being. So... You know, we have this human body and we, you know, we walk around and we tread on things as we walk. We can't avoid, you know, we, we can't actually avoid in, in some ways harming. But, you know, this is, this is the karma of, of having been born into a body. This is part of being on this planet. So the Buddha is, is pointing to intentionally harming, having the intention to harm another. And this can be, you know, it can be something quite small, or it can be to the extent of killing, you know. And um, just today, somebody came to our vihara and, and spoke about a friend of theirs who's, who's a young woman, a teenage girl actually, who had um, just been put in prison for beating up her friend because she lost her, she got angry and she couldn't restrain her anger. So, you know, the fact is we all get angry. <laughs> anger is part of this, this animal body that we have. And, you know, if we don't have mindfulness and, and a sense of, of a boundary then we can completely lose it. I mean, the, the, it may be that nobody here would do that. You know, that, that's great. But the prisons are full of people who have lost it. You know, it might be just once. You just lose your rag, and then this enormous karma is made. So, you know, there is this first preset of of not to intentionally harm any living being. And uh, you know, if you also look at the at the world now, the wars. There are so many wars going on, and justifications for killing. So the the Buddha isn't saying, well, you know, you, you shouldn't kill anyone except in this situation or that situation. He's saying, don't do it. Don't intentionally harm any living being for any reason. And uh, this is a, a a beautiful thing to offer into the world, you know. So it can be on the level of, of not actually, you know, the, the grossest level of not killing another human being. Or it can be on a, on a much more subtle level of not inflicting harm, intentionally inflicting harm on someone. And, and also, you know, animals and insects. You know, I'm sure, you know, mosquitoes, you just think, oh, there's a mosquito. 
but actually that's a living being, that mosquito. You know, we, we learn to do that. But it, you know, how about instead of doing that, just to think for a moment, ah, that, that's, that's a living being uh, looking for a meal. I'm a living being and I also look for meals. <laughs> I also need to eat, you know, and, and actually developing a sense of, of connection and empathy, you could say, with the other. So, you know, this, this, this first precept on, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a protection from making harmful karma. And the, the precepts are also, they're written in the, in the, in the kind of the negative. It's often that way in the Buddha's teaching. It's written, you know, I'll, I'll undertake to refrain from harming another. So that's wonderful. If everybody in the world did that, that would be really wonderful. And, you know, if this is easy for you to do, if you feel like, well, you know, I don't, I'm not going to do that anyway, then, you know, pick it up as, how can I help another, you know? What can I do that will actually benefit someone else? The second precept is to refrain from, intent, from taking what is not given. So this is, you know, obviously it means you don't steal. And, um, you know, it, it, you could see this as a, you know, like there are many, um, again, many levels that this can be seen, be taken on, you know, I think um, many people kind of cut corners here and there and, you know, think, well, it doesn't really matter, I'll just, you know, nobody's going to notice and I don't know. But it's, it, when, 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 you, when you live in that way, you kind of create the kind of greyness of mind. It's, it's, there's always that sense of, in the back of your mind, well, I did kind of fiddle that tax return a bit or I didn't pay the... You know, I, didn't, I wasn't quite honest when I was flying you know, to that country about what I was carrying or whatever it might be. You know, just um, you know, the Buddha is actually pointing us to living in a way where we can we can be fully open. We can let our minds completely open and not have any kind of those dark lurking corners that we don't really want to look at or anyone else to look at. And as long as we, we're still doing that, we're kind of working against ourselves. We're, we're not enabling the mind to really open. And the third precept is to, um, to undertake the precept to, to refrain from sexual misconduct. This is the way it's written in English. And um, basically what that means is to, to respect oneself and others. So you're not using sexual energy in a way that's that's just greedy and taking. You're not exploiting other people. I must say one of the things that really breaks my heart these days is the is the sex trade, the huge sex trade in the world. It's, it's immense. And uh, you know it may be that hopefully anyway, that there's nobody here in this room who is, <laughs> you know, enhancing that, but like Millions of people are. So, you know, this precept is, is it's acknowledging the fact that the sexual drive is very strong. It is, we have animal bodies. You know, we like to think of ourselves as, as above animals, and in many ways we are. 
But these bodies are animal bodies, and they have the same drives as an animal has. So, you know, this this energy is very strong, and it needs a certain boundary. So I know, you know, many marriages that have broken up through, you know, affairs and, you know, friendships that have been broken through, you know, careless um, relationship. Or it can be, you know, not having respect for oneself and, you know, just, just uh, endlessly having casual sex because it's, you know, it's, a, it's an easy pleasure. This is like, this is not, you know, this is not respecting oneself or others. And this energy is precious. I'm a, I'm a nun, you know, and I, I ordained when I was 24, so <laughs> I've had quite a bit of, of uh, practice with this. And this energy is, is precious energy. And we can use it for our spiritual practice and as, a, as an act of love also. So, you know, don't, don't squander it. It's, uh, it's to be used well. So this third precept, it's a way of, of reining in the energy and using it in a way that's loving and respectful and you know, enhancing of, for oneself and others. And the fourth precept is uh, to undertake the, the precept to refrain from false or harmful speech. So again, you know, our society does tend to assume, I think, that people will lie. It's almost difficult to, to, um, to really be honest about everything all the time because it's almost expected that you don't quite tell the truth about everything. And uh, again, this is this, you know, when one when one does this, then the mind is. It's not open and bright. It's 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 turned this way, turning that way. You know, we have to cover our our tracks. We're not. We can't be fully open to ourselves or to others. And again, we're we're undermining ourselves if we're in in lying, and particularly lying. And like um, harm, you know, harmful speech is also very important. But the the word itself in Pali is false speech. The actual precept is to refrain from false speech. And this is really, really crucial, actually, to the path of awakening. Because while, as long as we're lying, you know, well, I suppose also, like, what, what is the motivation for lying? We want to we present ourselves in a, in a certain way, or we want to hide something that we've done that we're ashamed of. You know, the fact is we're all human, and we all make mistakes, we all probably, I guess, we all have a history, you know, of things that we don't feel so great about. And the, the, the path of awakening is actually asking us to be really honest, really, really honest and open, and, and to trust that actually we, we're all in the same boat. We are all human, and we all have human fallibility, and we all make mistakes, and we can all start again. The beauty of it, we can all start again. So, you know, when we start getting into lying and uh, hiding things, we kind of—it's like we we 
make ourselves more solid. And then we have to protect ourselves more, and we have to make sure nobody knows, and we keep the same story. And we create a world of, of, of delusion, actually, around ourselves. So, you know, imagine living in a world where, where nobody ever told a lie. <laughs> Amazing. I wonder what happened to politics. <laughs> <It'd be amazing. laughs> yeah. So this is this is what we're being asked of as as practitioners. You know, live in a way that's that's honest and open. And you know, when we live in this way, also people trust us. They they sense that oh, this is someone who's trustworthy. And not uh, you know, when you with someone who lies a lot. You, know, you can't maybe you can't put your finger on it, but there's something you don't quite well. I don't quite trust that person. You know, and, and to be a person that people don't quite trust, you know, it's not it's not a good way to live. So, this is the the um, the gift, let's say, the gift of honesty. That's uh, pointed to by the Buddha. And also to refrain from harmful speech, so you know, not backbiting, gossiping, um, speaking harshly, and uh, in a really in this in this again this this asks us to be with what is going on here. Sometimes we really want to just lash out at somebody, and that, and that comes from you know it's painful to be with. If you're with some, if you're with a difficult person, let's say, and they're they're really really agitating you, winding you up, and you just want to lash out, say something harsh. That comes from I don't want to be with this unpleasant feeling. I want to I want to stop that. And uh, you know certainly there there are there are times when it's skillful to make boundaries and say enough, but one doesn't have to be cutting or harsh. It can be just clear, learning to be clear and firm and, you know, make boundaries as skillful. But, uh, you know, when, uh, if you live with somebody who, who's, who has harsh speech, it's very painful. You start walking on eggshells around them. You know, you don't want to upset them. And then they don't actually get any feedback. They just, you know, get more and more into their own patterns. You know, we're not actually helping anybody. So... Developing the capacity to, to feel and to, to stay with the feeling, painful feeling, pleasant feeling, and allow it to be here and not, uh, not react from that place. So those first four precepts, they're, they're more like, you could say they're ethical precepts, not, not intentionally harming, not stealing, um, Relating in a respectful, responsible way sexually and not lying. Those are like ethical precepts. And the fifth precept is like the protector of the other four. So it's not like ethically wrong to have a glass of wine. You know. But, uh, the, you know, as, as probably anyone who's had a few glasses of wine knows, you know, you, you get after a few drinks, you get a loose tongue, and you say things you wish you hadn't, or you do things you wish you didn't hadn't done, and you feel embarrassed about it afterwards. And, you know, there's uh, 
the repercussions of um, of having too much. So it's like you know the the, the fifth precept protects your mindfulness really protects your clarity of mind so that you can pay attention to the other four because it isn't actually easy I found it very difficult actually to keep the five precepts in my lay life and uh, eventually it, the, the, um, the things fell away and it became easier but it wasn't immediately easy for me to do that and because the drives are strong, and and you know, often the confusion is strong, our delusion is strong, and we can't always stay on track. So these five precepts are offered as a, as as they're kind of like, they're boundaries, but not not boundaries that are walls, but boundaries that are marks on the ground. So you know when you're going past them because you you have to step over that mark, but you're not going to hit up against it. They're not commandments. It's not you'll go to hell if you don't do this, but it's like, you know, if you want to live a happy life and you want to have a mind that's clear and open, this is a, a wonderful basis for that. Okay, so I'd like to open up the floor for any questions. If anyone has any questions around the the precepts or applying the precepts to one's life. Yes. <laughs> that would be great. Okay. So, it's uh, so okay. So the, it's not that if you keep the the five precepts, you won't experience any suffering. That's that's not the that's not what I'm saying. Because, you know, as, as again the Buddha pointed out, suffering is part of this experience. There is it is inherent in samsara in this in this worldly ex- existence. Because we we. We, you know, it's like when you when you say, "I'm still going to encounter those people who you know, don't keep those precepts, who go against those precepts, and that's going to cause me suffering." So, you know, the 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 place of freedom actually is is from really being being here, being here, and being present, and allowing the the agitation, the the painful feeling, the desire, the wanting, allowing that to be present here and having actually the, the strength of mind to be with that and not be pushed and pulled around by it. So that's what one develops through meditation practice and also in combination with keeping the precepts. You develop this, this strength of, of mind here that can kind of endure, actually, 
life as it is and, and be open to that. So I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say, you know, if, if you keep the five precepts, the world will all be lovely and the birds will always sing and it will always be a sunny day. <laughs> it would be lovely if everyone did. It would be great. And, and it, it's, the world is in you know, a pretty serious mess at the moment because of our greed and our fear and you know, hunger for power and so on. I mean, and uh, you know, that's, it's also one thing that it's like, okay, I can. There's something I can do is to, is to live this. I can live this and I can you know, encourage other people to live it. And that, you know, each of us who, who do that that's a few less people who are acting out of greed, hatred and delusion, you know. So it's already, you're already offering something good to the world. So it's not, you know, it's not about, the, the Buddhist path is not about avoiding suffering or avoiding difficult situations, but it's about having respect for oneself and respect for others, really. There's, there's, two, there's the two words, hiri and otapa. And uh, they're, they're translated in different ways. And uh, in some, in many of the suttas, hiri—I don't actually like this translation—but hiri is translated as. Um, uh, uh, I, I very much don't like it. Is translated as moral shame, and otapa is translated as as moral dread. So when I came across these, I thought, oh, you know, I don't like that very much. But actually, in the Abhidharma, they're translated as hiri is translated as respect for oneself. And otapa is translated as respect for others. So it's having a sense of what I do will have a, an effect. So what I do in my own life to myself will have an effect on this life. And what I do in relation to others will have an effect on others. And you know what, how we live in the, in the world, it, it does generate a certain, it has an effect. And it is also very important to, you know, not not to use the precepts as a shackle or as a as a burden, you know, because sometimes you can pick it up in that way. And I certainly have done that myself, you know. I must keep these precepts and 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 become very miserable actually. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's finding a, a balance. And you know, the Buddha also often speaks about, you know, that the the practice is like a a perfectly tuned instrument. You know, if we t- if it's too tight. Then it's just twing, twang, twang. It's horrible sound. If it's too loose, it's kind of blah. So it's like finding that attunement and using those as a guideline. Those and and meditation practice awareness. I hope that's enough. Please. Is there anything? <laughs> we actually, as nuns, we do confess fortnightly to each other, so we have a way of clearing. And in our evening chanting, in the traditional Pali Theravada evening chanting, there's a, a little kind of asking forgiveness each evening, where you you, um, you say for for whatever how's it go for whatever wrong action I have committed through body, speech, or mind. I think that's how it goes. You know, may I, I like I, I acknowledge this, and may I start afresh. So you do to the Buddha, to the Dhamma, to the Sangha. You kind of acknowledge any fault that you may have made, and you know, you don't exactly say ask forgiveness, but you say I, I acknowledge any fault I've made, and I might make a, a, a determination to start again. So that's 
that's kind of. Do you, do you think that doing that in your um, community of nuns, having that witness, I assume you do it out loud? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do it in pairs and we, we do it out loud, yeah. Yes, it's very good because it's basically what we're saying is we've we've made this determination that we're going that way, and our our rules we have obviously much more than five. You know, they they're pointing us in. They're saying, okay, you want to go that way? This is the way. Go that way. And then if we wander off a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left or a lot to the right or the left, then we have a means of of acknowledging that and saying and it's saying, okay, I want to go this way, but I'm actually kind of wandering off here. And so I don't want to go that way. So please hear that that's what I'm doing, and yeah, I'll determine to come back on track again. So that's basically what it's saying. And with the with the five precepts, you know, there's there is a, a, a formal taking of the precepts, and they're they're always together with the three refuges of the Buddha taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. They always go together. Yeah. So so repeating those um, those yeah. Yes. 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 And you can do that with a with a, a nun or a monk, or you can do it just in front of your shrine. With a you know you can you can say bring to mind the Buddha, and say you know I in, uh, with the Buddha as my witness I determine to take and live by these precepts. And again, I think it's very important not to hold it too tightly, you know, not to to berate oneself if if you don't. But to, just to say, okay, this is leading me in the direction that I want to go in. If you do want to go in that direction, if you don't, you know, <laughs> there are plenty of other options. But if you want to go in that direction, this this will help lead me in that direction. It's like a, it's like a, what's it? In terms of a building, it's like a foundation. In terms of a path, it's like a, a signpost, you could say, or, or like the, the the hedgerows of a of a of a, of a road. And you know we can get fascinated by things in the, in the over there and start wandering off in the other direction, and that happens. And then if we actually want to come back onto this road again, you have to first of all acknowledge, oh, you know, I'm over here now, and I actually want to be over there. So, okay, let's just put that down and come back here and start again and go in this direction. That's kind of the way to hold it. Yeah. And they are like we offer every. Every week, actually, in Navahara, opportunity for people to take the five precepts. So, people, some people come each week and they take them each week again and again. And uh, you know, we don't ask, you know, have you been keeping them while we were away or something. It's up to the individual. You know, it's a, it's um, it's a path of personal responsibility. Really. And another way that can be helpful is to is to just reflect on the times when you've kind of wandered a long way off that path and where it's got you to, you know, I, I, that's something I've found very helpful is just to see, well, you know, what, what are the, the consequences of following greed or following fear, following hatred or, or violent thoughts, you know, what are the, where does it lead to? And to, to reflect on that, you know, in your own life. And is it is it worth going there, or is it worth actually being with this feeling, which changes? <laughs> and also the the sense of self-respect that that comes with 
and with living within this, you know, we, we often look for, um, you know, ways of having self-esteem. If we don't feel good about ourselves, you know, trying to find a way of feeling better from, you know, external things. But this this does bring a sense of self-respect, really, from the inside out. And uh, there's a, just maybe I just share a little story. There's a little story uh, in the Anguttara Nikaya, in the suttas, which is it's kind of pointing to the the the, the, five, the the precepts as a as part of the path to awakening to liberation. And uh, there's the you know, there are seven sailors. There's seven sailors sailing on the rough seas, on the ocean, and the, they they hit bad weather and the the ship goes down. They're shipwrecked. And the the first sailor just sinks straight down to the bottom of the ocean. And he's the—he's like someone who never you know, ha, has no sense of um, the the consequences of of his actions, of, of how it might—you know—there's someone who doesn't have any sense of that the precepts might be in, in any way relevant, or that you know, living uh, just following his own desires is in any way a problem. And so this person is like someone who just sinks straight to the bottom of the ocean. And then the next sailor uh, is bobbing up and down. They go down for a little while, and then they come up, and then they get a bit of air. Oh. And then get down again, and then they come up and get a bit of air. And this is like someone who, who keeps the precepts sometimes. Keep them sometimes, don't keep them sometimes. It's like you go up, but you don't, you don't drown, but you, you, know, you keep going, but you don't, you know, you're kind of just about staying on the, on the, the right side of life. And, uh, and then the third sailor is um, treading water and is able to keep their head above water and this is like someone who lives uh, you know lives within a framework of of understanding you know the, of, of recognizing the um, the importance of you know, living in a skillful way and and having respect for themselves and of others and of the of the um, effect of the consequences of their actions. That's like treading water. And then there's the fourth one. is also treading water, but has seen off in the distance that there's an island and knows that they will go there. They're going to go that way. So that's like the stream enterer who's had a glimpse of Nibbana. And the fifth sailor is has seen that island and is swimming with all their might in that direction <laughs> and that's and it's a long way but they're going for it and that's like the soda power, the once returner who is uh, destined for enlightenment within uh, you know so they say within one more birth at most and the sixth sailor is has come really close to the, to the island and has just felt the ground under it, the, his feet. Ah, safety. And they're not, not, he's not quite out of the, the waves yet, but there's the ground under his feet and he's making his way onto the island and the surf is breaking around him. And he knows he's safe, there's no problem. And this is like the anagami, the, the, the one who is free from greed and hatred. And the seventh sailor has made it all the way up onto the island and is resting there in the sun, 
that's enjoying the beautiful mangoes that are growing and resting from his hard swim or her hard swim across the ocean. And that is like the arahant who is fully awakened and completely safe from the oceans of samsara. So, please. How should one regard one's conditioning in terms of like um, habits? Well, it's to bring mindfulness, really, to bring mindfulness to what you're doing and your motivation. And you know the, the precepts are there, like I say, they're like a mark on the ground, so you see if you're going past them. And you're not asking yourself to be perfect. You, know, you don't have to be perfect, but you're making that kind of boundary. And bring mindfulness you know, and, and see the, the consequences of habit. You know, we're all, in a way, we're all addicts, actually. <laughs> all of us. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's mindfulness and clear attention and being able to bear with the feeling. That, that frees us from that. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's nine o'clock, so we have to end here. And thank you very much for welcoming me. It's been very lovely to be here. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.